0: To understand light, and to appreciate light, you've got to understand and appreciate darkness. Uh, light is pretty unimportant if there is no darkness. If I go out in the middle of the noon on a hot summer day and I turn on a flashlight, you won't be very impressed. Uh, because if you think it's already light, well then bringing light to the situation does nothing. But if you're in the middle of darkness and you need to find something and I come to you with a light, now uh, the light means something. One of the problems with, I think, Christmas in our culture is that we sing about the light of the world, but there's not much appreciation for the darkness. And so the light becomes just sort of a cute little thing, a nice little thing. It's a so what kind of a thing. If we understand it in biblical terms, it's anything but a so what kind of a thing. I want us to get into the message. To understand the good news, you've got to understand the bad news. And the bad news is that the Bible says the world is in darkness. Now, darkness, I, I think for a moment on when you have been in darkness, real darkness. I mean, there's, there's dimness and then there's darkness. As a preliminary word, let me say this before I even go further. When the Bible talks about light and darkness, and it does in the New Testament quite a bit, it has nothing whatsoever to do with color. Uh, there have been racist readings of the New Testament that have done this. But you've got to realize that all the main players in the New Testament, including Jesus, were very, very, very dark. It has nothing to do with color. Light isn't about whiteness, and the darkness the Bible speaks about isn't about blackness. Light is about seeing what you're supposed to be able to see, and darkness is about not being able to see what you're supposed to see. When Jesus brings light into the world, when someone turns on a light here, you don't say the room became white, it just became light, and now you can see what you're supposed to see. And when someone turns off a light, now you can't see what you're supposed to see. So we need to kind of eradicate from our brains any association with color when it comes to the Bible's talk about light and darkness. It's like day and night. That's what what it's getting at. The Bible depicts the world as being in darkness. Think for a time when you were without light and you needed a light. When I was in Haiti six years ago, first time I ever went to Haiti, we have a, uh, participate in a ministry, Providence Ministry, which is part of the Woodland Hills Church Ministry. We go down to Haiti a couple times a year and, and uh, do different work down there. First time I was ever down there, we were in this village that doesn't have any kind of electricity and at the time didn't have any running water or any flush toilets. Uh, they now have some, thanks to this ministry. We we're able to bring this to the school and in this village. Uh, and that's considered a real luxury in a lot of these poor villages in Haiti. But at the time, there was no electricity and no running water. And it is amazing how dark it gets at night when there's no moon out and there's no electricity within, you know, hundreds of miles. It, is, it gets really, really dark. We were staying in this one room in this uh, school. They, all they could do to put us up was to give us this room. We had our sleeping bags and we slept on the floor. And in the middle of the night, around 3 in the morning or so, I woke up with a interesting sensation in my lower intestines. Uh, I, I had to go to the bathroom now. And, and if you ever go to Haiti and, and have a steady diet of Haitian food and you're not acclimated to it and you tend to have a sensitive stomach anyways, you'll know what I'm talking about. If any of you ever suffer with constipation, go to Haiti and live a week on Haitian food. You know, it, it, will, it will cure you. It really... So, when it hits, it hits. It's like, you know, you don't even get a warm-up on this thing. You know, it's like uh, an alarm clock goes off. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, i got to go to the bathroom now. And uh, the outhouse is in the back of the school. That's all they had at the time. So i got to find my way out to the outhouse. Now, the room is pitch black. I mean, you can't see your hand in front of your face like this. It is pitch black. And you wake up, and you're having these pains, and you're kind of disoriented. And we put out a light. In case anyone has to go to the bathroom, here's a flashlight. And so I'm thinking, where is that stupid light? And so I don't want to wake everybody up. It's a little bit cramped, you know. And so I'm I'm looking around, trying to find the light. You bump into the wall. You try not to make any noise. You put your hand on someone's face. Your knee goes into somebody's groin. You know, you're kicking someone's ear. You're stumbling in the darkness. You can't see. You're looking for a light, and there is no light. And I was going to find that light. I I was not going to try to go out there without a light. Because Haiti has tarantulas. <laughs> I'm probably not doing much for our short-term missions trip plug here, but I, I want it to be known on this uh, Christmas Sunday that I am a manly man. I'm a macho man. I have testosterone oozing out of the, my ears. My wife tells me that all the time. I, I, am, I, 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 am, I fear very few things in life, but I hate spiders. I have a mild case of, what's it called, acrophobia or something like that? Spiders. They're, the, they're all the devil. Especially when they're... Well, They are. Especially, just ask the flies around. They had flies canceled. Uh Especially when they're hairy and they're big and they got those pinchers, those, those, those pickery things. And hey, they got these things. In fact, Luke Erickson, had, uh, who was on the trip with us, had uh, spotted one in the outhouse that day. Yeah, right in the corner there, a big hairy tarantula and so I'm not going to go out we had, we had come upon um, on this trip we were up in the mountains traveling on these dirt bumpy roads and we came upon a tarantula the headlights spotted it now if you can spot a spider going across the road 25 feet away you know it's not good news <laughs> and things just crawling across the road and it's big I mean the thing is like this it's big and hairy and you know it's just like uh, it's got a chicken in its mouth you know chicken's saying help me please so we stopped to take a look at this giant spider. I'd never seen one in the wild before, and we gather around it, and the light's all on it and stuff, and I start trying to be the macho I told you I was a macho man, didn't I? Okay. And I, so I started throwing rocks at it. <laughs> I'll show it, who's boss. And I'm taunting it, like, you know, we don't, we don't like you, we don't like you. And um, uh, eventually, other people got bored, uh, but I was still taunting this spider. So they went back to the car, and as we're going back, Greg Erickson, who was leading the trip, said, you know, I'd watch that because these things uh, can really jump far and run fast. And it just might go at you. And I'm like, yeah, right. They're like turtles. They go slow, right? That's how they go. And I'm a macho man, so I'm not afraid. I'm throwing, I'm kind of like this, throwing stones at it. And all of a sudden, this thing leaps up. I'm telling you, it jumped. It like, like that, just jumped up. And it started running at me. It was like, I'm going to get you, boy. And I'm, and in about 1.3 seconds, I turned into the most sissy girly bond in the world. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, no. no running back in the car. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, when I think back, I get goosebumps thinking about it. Big things should not be able to crawl that fast. It was like... And all that is to tell you why I had to find that light. I mean, I was... I was being tortured between the need to go and my fear of spiders, you know, do I keep looking for. And when you finally find this flashlight, you fall in love with that flashlight. <laughs> Thank you, fla- I love you, light. I love- see, you only appreciate the light when you've understood the darkness and you've seen your need to get out of it. And that's exactly where I was at three in the morning in Haiti six years ago. Now, see, the Bible says that the world's in darkness. Uh, Not physical darkness, of course, but spiritual darkness. Now, most people in our culture don't really believe that. We think we're pretty good, pretty moral, pretty grand. Society's pretty good. You know, we got our problems for sure, but there's not too much that's really wrong. So we don't really appreciate the message of darkness, which is why we kind of trivialize the message of light. The Bible says the world is in serious trouble. Did you know that? And, And the fact that we don't the fact that we don't uh, sense that by our natural mind is simply a further indication of how far gone we are. We get acclimated to the light, I mean to the darkness. I had uh, a friend, a student of mine graduated from Bethel, and she took this uh, uh, position teaching in this little village in northern Alaska inside the Arctic Circle. And she described to me how they have five, five and a half months of, of straight darkness and then they have five and a half months of straight light. And during the darkness, the first time she went into this, she said at first it's eerie, it's kind of scary, it freaks you out. And then you go into a kind of a long depression because you're just devoid of light. But she said by the second month or so, you begin to get used to it. You get acclimated to it. It becomes kind of normal. We get used to anything. And so it is in this world. There is some serious darkness and the world is in serious trouble, but we're used to it. We've always seen it this way, which is why we tend to trivialize the message of light. We think it's noonday out, so who really needs a flashlight? The Bible says the world is in darkness. And in fact, if we're honest with ourselves and, and really do some introspection, I think you see evidences of the night inside of us. Evidences that something is fundamentally off. Uh, we're not hitting on all pistons when it comes to living this life. For example, most people in, the innermost, in their innermost being, when they think about it, when they do some introspection, they sense that there's something missing in their life. There, there's... There's an emptiness that's not supposed to be there. A sense of futility. Even Christians uh, suffer with this sometimes. You, you feel like you're taking up time and taking up space, and that's all that you're good for. It's like th- there ought to be more. You know, you, you get up in the morning, you do your job, you go to bed at night, you, you eat, and you go to the bathroom, and, and, and that kind of seems like that's the, the the treadmill that this rat is on. And there's a sense that it was supposed to be better than this. Supposed to be more exciting. Supposed to be more full. There's an emptiness that most people struggle with. It's evidence of the night. We don't see what we're supposed to see. We're not seeing something. We're stumbling in the dark and we're being bit by tarantulas that we're supposed to see. There's something wrong. The evidence is all around us. I don't know if you ever saw this movie, The Matrix. It's, it's the best movie ever made. I, I, I'm a cult follower of the movie, The Matrix. The Matrix. Uh, It is so packed with philosophical symbolism from Plato and and, and from Christianity, and and it uh, it really is, uh, it's just an incredible movie. And there's one spot in this movie where Morpheus, whose name means the god of sleep, uh, is a Greek god of sleep or the the god of of dreams, which is significant. Every name in the matrix is significant. Everything in the matrix is significant. I worship you, matrix. Only kidding. (laughs) But it's, a, it's a profound. Morpheus is talking to Mr. Anderson. And Anderson, by the way, Anders is the Greek word for, for humanity. Son is son. So this, is, this represents the son of man. Some of, the, some of the symbolism you'd have to have a PhD to figure out, but it's a good movie anyways. So he's talking to, and, and he, they call him Neo, which means new, because he's going to bring about the, the new liberation, the New Testament. He's the savior complex in this movie. But Morpheus is trying to convince Neo, Mr. Anderson, that uh, he's not been living in reality. In fact, the reality he thinks he's been living in is a virtual, uh, neurologically controlled reality by this demonic artificial intelligence. Uh, the pattern of this world he needs to wake up to. I'm going to preach a series on this sometime, I'm telling you. And uh, he, he says to Neo, Morpheus says to Neo as an, in an attempt to get him to wake up, he says, haven't you always had like a, like a splinter in your brain? The gnawing sense that something's wrong with the world. I love that quote. It's like a, a thorn. You know how you get a thorn it just bothers you, you can't get it out? Like a splinter in the brain, and, and we try to run from it, We try to hide it, we try to uh, uh, kind of anesthetize it by pouring ourselves into some distraction. We we can become addicted to this, or we try to drown it with alcohol, or we just try to drive for success, but there's always this gnawing sense in our innermost being that there's something wrong. We're, We're not seeing what we're supposed to see. We're stumbling when we're supposed to be walking, we're getting bit by tarantulas that we're supposed to be able to step on. Something's wrong with life. It's evidence of the night. But we're kind of used to it, so we kind of just take it for granted. Sometimes it gets manifested by our lack of ability to solve our problems. You know, human beings are pretty smart. We can, we can map the, the human genome. You know, we can go to the moon. It's an incredible, the technology that we've developed. And yet, we, we don't seem to be able to control ourselves, you know? And you, you wrestle with this lust problem, and you, and you wonder why you can't get it, come, bring it under grips. And, and why is it that you still have this depression issue and this anxiety issue? And why is it that you sabotage the relationships that you're in? And there's a sense that we ought to be able to control ourselves more, that we ought to have it together. We ought to be able to get our act together, but it never seems on our own effort that it ever quite happens It's evidence of the night. In a society, it's the same thing. We can do so much, and yet when it comes to solving some fundamental problems, it seems we can do so little. Last couple of weeks, we've had racism brought in, into our attention again. And, and this is one of those things where it's like, this seems so basic, so elementary, so, so fundamental that, that this shouldn't be a tough one. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this one out. Uh, all people are people and people have inherent rights and, and, and the color of your skin or the nature of your culture shouldn't affect that. So let's just treat each other with equal dignity. And, and what's so difficult about that? And yet, and yet in our culture and in most cultures, there is at least just beneath the surface this pervasive racism. And, and when, when you're on top, top like, like white folks are, uh, you don't notice it because you're not impacted by it. But you ask any person of color, is it around, they'll say, oh, yeah, about a quarter inch beneath the surface, it's all over the place. Why is it that we still wrestle with this? Why can't we get ourselves out of this one? Why do we stumble over one another in the dark on this issue? Or what about war? You thought we would have outgrown this. We thought we had outgrown it in the 19th century. The 20th century was going to be the century of liberation where finally human beings have come of age. And it was the bloodiest century in history. And now we've got Palestine and Israel still playing tit for tat with human lives going back and forth in guerrilla warfare as though that's ever going to solve anything. It's just a loop that goes on. I'll kill your folks, you kill my folks, then I'll kill your folks and you kill my folks. And these are smart people, intelligent people. Why can't we? We can send people to the moon and map the human, human DNA, but we can't solve these kind of issues. We're on the verge of going to war with Iraq and there's nuclear buildup in Pakistan and India and possible nuclear buildup in, 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 in North Korea. And, 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 and you just wonder... Why, isn't that, why is it that human beings, we can do so much, but we can't solve these basic problems? And we could talk about other social issues. We could talk about the rate of abortion. We could talk about sexually transmitted disease and the, the violence that's pervasive and the number of kids born out of wedlock, and all of it is evidence of the night. And so when the Bible says that we dwell in darkness, maybe it shouldn't be that so, so hard to believe. The evidence is all around us. And see, until we appreciate the full gravity of this situation, we're groping around in the dark, stepping on each other's faces, kicking each other in the groin, because uh, we're not seeing what we're supposed to see. And only when you appreciate that does the Christmas message that light has come into the world begin to make any kind of sense and have any kind of profundity and really become any kind of good news. What happens so often in our culture is that you, 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 we have the proclamation of this cute little baby born in a manger but we subtract out of the story any kind of darkness, any kind of night, any kind of fall, any kind of devil, any kind of sin, any kind of evil. And all you're left with is a cute little baby who showed up for no one knows quite why. But it sure is cute and helps us be better people once a year. And I'm here to tell you that that is not at all what the Christmas story is about at all. That's not even close. That's not even orbiting the right planet. The good news is this. It cures the bad news. The bad news is that we were in darkness. The bad news is that we were lost. The bad news is that we were perishing. But the good news is that God didn't leave us in that sorry situation. The good news is that God didn't leave us in the mess. Amen? The good news is that God didn't leave us to our own self-destruction. The good news is that God didn't leave us in the darkness, in our condemnation. The good news is that God didn't leave us in our own self-declared war against God. The good news is that God so loved the world as his children said so profoundly. God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that is good news, praise God. Amen. That's good news because we'd be lost without him. The good news is that he is the light of the world. He is the light of the world. And when you understand that you're groping in absolute darkness, self-imposed darkness, the darkness of our own sin, when light shows up, this is good news. Uh, the, the, there's a way, there's a way of seeing the truth of what's going on in this world and, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world, praise God. Now I want us to really uh, grasp the significance of say, saying that Jesus is the light of the world. The Bible doesn't say that he, he, that he brought the light of the world. It says he was the light of the world. Big difference. Doesn't say that he just shed light on some subjects. Doesn't say that he was an enlightening person. You see, we've got in our culture... Uh, all sorts of people who are saying things like this. Uh, yeah, Jesus, good guy, nice guy, good teachings, moral teachings, insightful teachings. He, he really sheds light on a lot of subjects. He's enlightening. Just like Buddha is enlightening and Lao Tzu is enlightening and Confucius is enlightening and a lot of good books are enlightening and shed a lot of light on, on difficult subjects. So also Jesus is enlightening, maybe the most enlightening even. And they think they're paying Jesus a compliment by saying that of him. He's one of the enlightening people in the world. He has some of the enlightening teaching in the world. But you see, you're not paying Jesus Christ a compliment by putting him on the same par as everybody else. And this can be offensive to some people, so brace yourself, but do you want want truth or do you want to have your ears scratched? Let's go with truth, otherwise we're wasting our time. The truth is this. He didn't come to point us to the light, to lead us to the light, to tell us about the light, to give us a light. He came because he was the light. He's the light of the world. He himself is the light of the world. He is the walking talking light bulb of God if you will all right uh, he doesn't point he he doesn't teach us about the way he is the way he doesn't tell us about salvation the text we read says he is salvation he doesn't give us teachings about love he is himself love he doesn't talk about redemption in himself he brings redemption in fact if we're looking at things accurately if we're seeing the light in the light and we and we're not being deceived by it What you have to say, the way Scripture portrays it is this. Jesus Christ isn't just one of the great teachers, the enlightening teachers who sheds light on difficult subjects. No. He is the Lord of all lords, amen? The God of all gods, amen? The King of all kings, amen? He is Himself the Savior, Himself the Redeemer, Himself the Creator, Himself the Sanctifier, praise God. He's the Word of God and the image of God, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the wisdom of God, the power of God who brings light into this world. And if you believe in him, grab hold of him and let him grab hold of you. You don't need to walk in darkness any longer. Wherever Jesus went, what he was about is turn the light on. And when you turn the light on, that just allows you to see what you're supposed to see. He turns the light on about who God is, the light on about who we are because of who God is, and the light about what God's plan is for us. And so when he comes to the sick, he brings He turns the light on of Healing. He brings the light of, of hearing to the deaf. He brings the light of sight to the blind. He, he brings the light of able-bodiness to those who are crippled, showing what God's ideal will is and what it will be like in the kingdom of heaven. He brings the light of freedom to those who are in captivity. He brings the light of deliverance to those who are, who are in demonic bondage, praise God. He brings the light of forgiveness to those who are sinners, which is all of us. He brings the light of acceptance to those who are outcasts. He brings the light of a relationship with God to those who are in bondage to religion. Wherever He goes, whatever He does, whoever He sees, whatever He says, He's bringing light because He is the light. He's the light of the world. He's the light of the world, praise God. And what he shows in everything he does and in everything he says, what he declares, the light he switches on is this. Now in Christ you can see the truth about who God is, who the real God is, as opposed to all the lies you get. This is what God looks like. And in seeing what God looks like, you see the truth about you. That you were in darkness, but if you'll receive it, You can be walking in light. The truth about you, that you are loved outrageously. God is outrageously loving, as shown by Calvary. You are outrageously loved, and if you will receive it, you can have an eternal destiny with Him that goes on forever and ever. That's what you were created for. Grab hold of the light and let the light grab hold of you. You don't need to be walking in darkness. God's will is for us to live and to live His life, which is light. God doesn't want us. He never intended us. It's not His design for us to be groping in the darkness, stepping on one another, not seeing what we're supposed to see, being bit by trenches we're supposed to be able to step on. That's not God's plan. That's not God's perfect will. God's goal is for human beings to be alive. It says in John 10.10 that He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Full of life, packed with life, God's life, real life, passionate life, vibrant life, joy-filled life, peaceful life, light-filled light, life, life that isn't groping in the dark, guessing at what truth might or might not be, trying to find where your next step is supposed to be. He's created us and He's saved us to walk in the light, confidently in the light, passionately in the light, being dispensers of light, being dispensers of love, dancing with the triune God, living life to the fullest, not being inhibited by what people might think about me and whatever, but just being fed by the fact that God thinks about you. What God thinks about you is defined through Calvary, and that's all that really matters. Grab hold of the light, and let the light grab hold of you. And that is freedom, and that is life, and that is light. You don't get it. You don't find the light by joining a religion. That's just more darkness. And you're not going to find the light by prescribing to 18 more ethical rules, that's just more darkness. And you're not going to find the light by by joining a holy club, us. No, that's just more darkness. And you're not going to find the light by, by engaging in this or that or the other ritual. The way to find the light is to commit your life, your very life, your innermost being to the one who is life, to the one who is light. His name is Jesus Christ. Surrender to him this morning. Surrender to him this morning. Jesus says, if you follow me, you'll walk in the light. You'll walk in the light that is life. It's not about a theoretical belief. It's not about going to church once or twice or ten times a year. It's not about any of that. It's about where is your innermost being? Are you surrendered? Are you yielded to the one who is the light of the world, the life of the world? And you can have that light, and you can have that life when you surrender it, your life, over to him. And that's the plan for the whole thing. And now you can know... Who your creator is and why he created you. And you can know what your purpose is and what your worth is. And you can know where you're going. And you don't have to worry about that anymore. Now the last thing we need to know about this comes out of the text. Is that as glorious and as wonderful and as uh, profound as that is. uh, This whole Christmas story. You need to know that there is a force in this world that opposes everything I just said. In fact, to some degree, it can be the case that that force is operating in us. So there's a part of you that's rejecting what I just said. There is a, the, the Bible says the darkness resists the light. The darkness resists the light. Tries to overcome the light. His name is Satan. He's called the Prince of Darkness because... He is the Lord of darkness. He wants darkness. And to the degree that we're deceived by Him, there's a part of us that wants darkness. We want to be Lord of our own life, go our own way, pretend like we know what we're doing, pretend like we can figure out things, pretend like we can solve our own problems. The, the Bible says in, first, in, in John chapter 3, verse 19, that this is what's condemnation. Condemnation is that people love darkness rather than light. See, condemnation is just about God letting people go their own way. You love darkness, you can have it, but man, I'm trying to get you to go the other way. People love darkness rather than light, and there's a part of us that, 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 that uh, uh, craves the darkness and that resists the light. It'd be kind of like I, I in Haiti, when I found this flashlight finally, uh, I turn it on, and now I can see where I'm going. But what if, just imagine this, if you will, if I, I have this little beam here, and all of a sudden, I notice that the beams start kind of getting narrower. And the darkness is fighting against it. No, we don't want the light. Ugh. And it and, and tries to overcome the light. And the light gets smaller and smaller. You see, that's kind of the biblical picture you got. The darkness, physically, when you turn on the light, the darkness flees. But there's something about this darkness, because there are beings who choose it, that, that it gives the power to resist it. And, and so sometimes it's like the, the light is, 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 is facing this resistance. And I can imagine me, if I did that in Haiti, i first of all think, whoa, this is a weirder country than I thought. And secondly, i think, do I really want to go outside? Because what if I go outside and all of a sudden that light is extinguished? And now it's me and the tarantulas. And they can see in the dark and I can't. Uh, You know, so it might intimidate me. What we need to know is this. In in this world, it, it, it still is. God has, in principle, turned on the light But it is not the case that we see it fully manifested in the room of creation yet. It's in the process of pushing back the darkness, but it's not yet perfectly manifested. And there are times in our life if we're honest. And why be Pollyanna about this? Let's be real about this. We have nothing to lose and everything to gain by being honest and real. Sometimes it doesn't feel like the situation is light. Sometimes it doesn't feel like the light is winning, does it? There are times where it feels like the darkness is winning. I think a lot of people, when the World Trade Center got attacked, it was a moment where you think, you know what, is the light winning? Is, is, is this world going forward? Are we making any kind of progress? And, and uh, when, when racism raises its ugly head again, you think, man, did the civil rights movement accomplish much of anything? Are we really making, is the light winning? Are we making any kind of progress when you hear in the 90s, you know in the 90s with all that time of economic prosperity that we are definitely out of right now, but uh, during that time, the percentage of people that got on welfare that were in poverty actually increased. So you wonder, are we really, you know, if you're on the receiving end of things and you're blessed, it seems like, whoa, light all over the place, but, but really are we making progress here? And when you hear about the nuclear buildup, you wonder, are we making, is the light really winning? Sometimes when you look at the nature of religious people and, and the nature of the church, uh, you know, this is my cynicism talking now, but you wonder, God, what were you thinking? How can the light ever win? There's so much pettiness, so much religiosity going on. There's so much self-serving judgment going on. Is the light ever going to win? You see, and you look at some of society problems and our inability, not only not to solve them, but to even make progress. It's like, just when we solve one problem, we create a bunch more. And when we come up with one new invention that you think will benefit the human race, it causes a bunch of other problems that we haven't even thought about yet. We're getting into all this with, with the genetic, genetic research, and you wonder, is the light winning? It seems sometimes that the darkness has got the upper hand. And sometimes in our own life, personally, maybe especially around this holiday season, it could be that everything is right now absolutely going wonderful you, wonderful for you, and thank God for that. That's a wonderful thing. But for some of us, it can feel like the darkness is encroaching all around us. It's become night. It's getting colder. Uh, it, it, you don't see this... This, uh, this light overcoming darkness kind of thing. As I have wrestled with my father's situation and, and just the toughness, I just wish it would be simple. I wish it was just a clear cut kind of a thing. Uh, you know, and, and, and wrestle with just seeing your father who used to be so alive and so vibrant wasting away on this bed and, and, and you know, the, the ambiguity and the complexity and the dizziness of the situation. It can really sometimes feel like darkness is encroaching in on you. And... Uh, uh, others wrestle with different things. When the family continues or even increases its dysfunction, it feels like darkness is winning. And when you find out that you have got cancer, it feels like darkness is winning. There's several people in this congregation that I know about who are right now in the process of going blind, and and it can really feel. They pray for healing, but it, it, but it, until that comes, it can feel like the darkness. Uh, is, is winning and you got a physical reminder of that. Others are dealing here with sexually transmitted disease or with leukemia, lymphoma, uh, or marriages that are falling apart and it can really feel in those kind of situations like the darkness is winning, it's got the upper hand. And the kids are rebelling and maybe you're falling back in the struggle that you thought you'd gotten victory over five years ago. Many things can go on that can cause us to feel like the darkness is, 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 is winning. And in those moments, at those times, right here and right now, it's so important that you make up your mind what you're going to believe. Are you going to believe the evidence that's in front of you? Are you going to believe the Word of God? When the Bible says that the light shined in the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it, it's not giving us a description of how wonderful our experience is going to be. It's giving us a description of truth. And the two are very, very different. The reason why John knows that the, light, that the darkness cannot overcome the light is not because his life was so light-filled. He died a martyr's death. It uh, was exiled on, on, on an island uh, until he died. Um, uh, the reason he believed that the darkness could not overcome the light was because he knew that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He's the light of the world that the darkness tried to extinguish and it could not do it. And in times when it feels in your experience that the darkness is winning, you need to lay hold of that proclamation as a promise. The darkness cannot overcome the light. The darkness has in principle already been defeated and it's just a matter of time before we see that light totally fill the room and the darkness being totally extinguished. But you've got to know this morning and take it on faith and walk in this. Let this pervade your mind Is this. There is nothing, no form of darkness, no way, no shape of darkness that can extinguish the light. The devil in hell cannot extinguish the light. Amen? Amen. Amen. And there's no weapon that he's fashioned against us that can extinguish the light. There are moments when when there's resistance, but you've got to know, walk in faith, believe in your mind and your heart and your body and your soul. That there is in the end when all is said and done, nothing that can extinguish the light. Your cancer cannot extinguish the light. Uh, Your leukemia cannot extinguish the light. A brain hemorrhage, having your father be in a coma, cannot extinguish the light. Grab hold of the light and let the light grab hold of you. Your own nervousness and own wrestling with chemical-induced depression and and, and your schizophrenia, your multiple personality disorder, your bipolar syndrome, it's a hassle for sure. It's part of the fallen world, but it cannot uh, extinguish the light. The hatred in this world, the racism in this world, the bigotry in this world, the violence in this world, the warfare in this world, the nuclear buildups in this world they cannot touch the light praise God the light shined in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it praise God it cannot overcome it it cannot overcome it it takes the eyes of faith to see that sometimes I'll end with this it's important that, 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 that you hold on to this not just as a theoretical belief but that you really enter into it with your heart uh, you know, God gave, us, God gave us an ability to see spiritual realities. I don't know if you know that or not. The Bible says that, that, that the enemy has blinded our minds uh, so that, that the unbelievers cannot see the, the, the knowledge of God in, in Jesus Christ. But for believers, that veil has been lifted. And we are able to see in our mind's eye spiritual reality as the Holy Spirit works in our minds to show us a representation of spiritual realities. And so it is so helpful sometimes... To just sit, and in your mind, ask the Holy Spirit to show you that light, to feel the warmth of that light, to be enveloped by the light that is Jesus Christ. It is the light that is life. There's times where I just have to sit, and everything around me maybe is dark and confusing and painful, but I can just sit, and I can like a like a helicopter shines a light, a spotlight on a fugitive on the run. You've seen that. So also, just picture the the love and the life of God. In fact, even right now as I'm talking here, if you want, just close your eyes and pray. And picture the light, which is the life, which is the love, which is the power, which is the peace, which is the presence of Jesus Christ himself shining down on you, coming down all around you, enveloping you. Feel the warmth of that. You don't have the answer to the question. Maybe you don't have the solution to the problem. Maybe you can't fix what, what is broken. But right here and right now, let the light shine. Let the light grab hold of you and grab hold of that light. Walk in that light. And there is a peace that can pass all understanding that can belong to you as you just do that. You know who God is. In the midst of my situation, I don't know much of anything. I don't know how to fix this. But I know who God is. He's outrageously loving. I know who I am. I'm outrageously loved. And I know ultimately... Light shines and the darkness does not overcome it. Darkness is extinguished. And so somehow, some way, and I don't need to know the details, somehow, some way, I know that His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's going to be all light at that time. And knowing just that can give a peace. Right here, picture that light on you. Or maybe on a loved one that right now needs it. Just pray, God, shower them. Put the light beam of your love and peace upon them. And envelop them in your light. And know in the core of your being that the darkness cannot ever overcome that. I don't care what happens. I don't care how bad it can be. Know the darkness will not extinguish that light. Neither height, nor depth, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ, Paul says. And that's the same as saying the light of Jesus Christ. And as your eyes are closed, let me ask this final question. Is there anybody here who's never committed to following Jesus Christ? Maybe you have been a churchgoer. Maybe you have been a theoretical believer, but you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. He says, follow me, imitate me, and, and you won't walk in darkness again. And I want to give you the opportunity this Christmas Sunday morning to do that. If you're here this morning and you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, and you're just radical enough and bold enough to take it seriously, I want you to stand right where you are. And I'm going to pray for you from up here. If you're here this morning and you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, stand right where you are. I'm going to ask everyone else to stay seated, because if you stand up uh, to scratch yourself or something, then I won't know who's standing up for the right reasons. But if you're here this morning and you want to say, I, I, need, I need Jesus Christ, I've got to get a splinter out of my brain. Just stand up where you are. I'm going to take one minute to do this. I want to give you the opportunity. This is how we all come to, to know Jesus Christ. Anybody here at all? Thank you, sister. Thank you, sister. And anybody else? Just stand up and you're saying, you know what? I need him. I can't, I'm walking in darkness. I can't figure it out on my own. he's not saying that your life's going to be all wonderful and rosy, but he is saying he'll give you light. He'll give you life. You need it. Do you know the emptiness that you have and you want the fullness of life that he comes to bring? Stand up right where you are. I'll take take 30 more seconds on this. Be bold. Just join these folks that are standing up and just say, you know what, I need Jesus Christ too. Anybody here at all? You're willing to proclaim it. You know that you're a sinner. You know you need the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Back there. Thank you, brother. Thank you, sister. Amen, amen. What a wonderful time to do this, Christmas morning. Let Jesus Christ be born in your heart. Anybody else at all want to be bold? Take a stand. Brother, thank you. Praise God. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about joining a church, joining a religion, or anything of the sort. I'm just talking about you and your heart to make a commitment, like a, like a marriage vow. Okay, we've got several standing in this auditorium, and I, the angels are just so excited about every, each one of you. I want, us to, I want you to pray this prayer out loud, you who are standing, and we'll join with you in this. Pray from the depths of your heart. Heavenly Father, you are God. You made me. But I acknowledge that I have not lived for you all my life. I am a sinner in need of your grace. But I believe that you sent Jesus to die for my sins, to be light in my darkness. And so I ask You, Lord Jesus, to come into my life. Forgive my sin. Wash me. Make me new. Help me to be Your disciple and follow You in every area of my life. I surrender it all to You. Amen. Brothers, sisters, I want to welcome you to the kingdom of God. That is wonderful. That is wonderful. That is wonderful. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Now, the four or five of you that were standing, could I, could I ask you to please take a moment and come up to this uh, table over here with this fine-looking man He's got some information he wants to give you for free. It'll just take a minute, uh, but it'll help you get started on your walk with God. Uh, With the prayer team come forward? And I want to invite anyone who's here that has any need that they have to have prayed for or would like to have prayed for to come forward and spend some time in this. Uh, Let the light of God shine on that dark situation. And Holy Spirit, we're asking you that as we go out of this place, you would cause your life and your light to shine on us and shine through us in a dark world that desperately needs it. In Jesus' name and all God's people said one more time. Amen. 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 Have a Merry Christmas. Don't forget the Christmas Eve service. On Tuesday, we've got two of them. Bring some friends. Uh, We're going to really worship the Lord. God bless you.